I want to talk to you about a name, and it's not just the name of Jesus, which appears here, but another name we're going to talk about for a little bit. And from Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, we're introduced to the person of Jesus, Jesus born in Bethlehem. And it says in verse 21 of Matthew 1, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And my friends, that verse that is quoted there in verse 25 of Matthew 1 is a verse from the Old Testament about 700 years before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem's manger. God told the prophet Isaiah and he said, I want you to write these very words and he spoke these words to Isaiah and that very phrase and the name of the Messiah or the anointed one, the Christ, was identified in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody prophesied my birth some 700 years um, you know, before I was born. Uh, I, I don't think anybody had any knowledge of who I'd be or what I'd be or the, the line of people that I came from and both sides of the family and all of that. And, and I would probably venture to say you're in that category as well. But do you realize that the Bible prophesied of Jesus being born, the child of Bethlehem, very specifically, hundreds of years, even thousands of years before, you go way back to the book of Genesis, and God promised that the seed of a woman would someday come and crush the serpent's head and destroy that enemy, the serpent. And that was a reference to the Messiah. That was a reference to the seed of a woman, that one who would be offspring of a woman. And we have here the name that was given to him, which was Emmanuel. Back there in Matthew 121, it gave a very specific name. It said, you shall call his name Jesus. And the word Jesus literally means God saves. And it, it is the name of salvation, actually. In the Old Testament, your English Bible, if you come across the word salvation, underneath that is the Hebrew word Yeshua, or the, what we get today for Jesus um, Joshua probably be the, the, the way that that would be translated. And it literally means God saves. What a name, right? And God had you in mind when he named, uh, was named in Bethlehem. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Well, I want to look at this word Emmanuel and this name called Emmanuel. And we know a little bit about it. We know some of the things that... Um, that this word entails and and i would just ask a couple questions three questions for you tonight the first one is what does emmanuel mean now that's sort of a funny question because it's answered in that very verse in matthew right in matthew 123 it says behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which is translated god with us And that's what that word means, God with us. Now you don't get that from Isaiah chapter 7, because um, those that would have been reading Isaiah's words and listening to his words were Hebrews, and they would have known the Hebrew language, and they would have known when the word Emmanuel was said, it means God with us, very simply. And we'll come to that in a moment. 
But it reminds us that that babe that was born in Bethlehem's manger was not any ordinary person. He was supernatural. He came from the realms of glory. And he came and entered into the human race, our race of people, a race of sinners, by the way. Yet he himself not touched with sin. And that's the miracle of the conception of Jesus in a virgin's womb. Some say, well, why is that important? You know, it's very important because, you see, the Bible reveals to us that that sin nature is passed on through actually the lineage of our fathers, you know. And in Adam, that consequence of sin has been passed on generationally to every one of us so that we're born in sin with the capability of not only sinning for ourselves, but we are just, it's in our, it's in through us. We're sinners. We're born in that. And the wages of sin is death. Part of the consequences of sin, both original sin and our own sin, is that we will die. And we would be eternally separated from God because our sin, which is unholy, cannot be tolerated in the presence of a holy God. So God had a plan. He had a plan even before there was creation. The Bible tells us that because he knew everything that would happen. And he was going to enter into Adam's race of people and yet not be touched with original sin. See, Jesus, his body was prepared in the virgin's womb, not by with an earthly father behind him, but a heavenly father in that way. And God, the eternal son, enters into that body. Very, very important. And it is important. And I will just say there's a lot of debate on uh, when you come to the book of Isaiah and it says, a virgin shall conceive. And the Hebrew word for virgin there, Amma, uh, it can mean a young woman. And some of those that don't believe in the virgin birth have said, well, it just refers to a young woman. And it doesn't mean that she was a virgin. But, you know, it appears, I think, six other places in the Old Testament, that word. And always in context, it's in reference to a woman who has not known a man intimately. And when you come to the New Testament, it was written even in a more specific language. See, when Matthew writes this, he's writing in the Greek language. And there he writes and he uses a very specific Greek word that identifies specifically a virgin. Not just a young woman, but a virgin. Very clear. Matthew understood what Isaiah was saying. And a very, very important thing. But it goes on to say that his name... You shall call, or they shall call his name Emmanuel. And very simply, he is God with us. By the way, that's what the writer of uh, the Gospel of John, John said that. He identifies the Messiah, the eternal God, as the one who came and he dwelt among us. And it says in John 1 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God with us. And John goes on to say in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God with us, Emmanuel. And we beheld his glory, the glory of us, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Aren't you glad that he's uh, with us? As Wesley, and we sang that, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Think about that. He was pleased to come down to us in this mess of a world that we live in, in the mess of our lives, in the sin that envelops us from from really conception all the way to death. And he's able to enter in and break that. 
through who he is. He's pleased with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. And hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, right? Here's the second question. What does the name, or, or why does the name Emmanuel have to be translated? That's a good question. In the book of Isaiah, it doesn't say that. But in Matthew, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Or in the King James, which being interpreted is God with us. And you'd say, well, why would a name that is taken directly from Hebrew and brought in to the language here in English as well, Emmanuel, and why does it need to be translated? It actually, it isn't translated. There's a very specific term in linguistics they use called transliterated. And that means you take an original word out of a language and you don't translate it, but you just bring it right in and put it in your language. And that's exactly what Matthew does here, guided by the Holy Spirit as he writes these words out. And as we read them, and as our translators also, as they, we brought it, they just carried the word Emmanuel, God with us, and put it right into our language. And you say, well, why would it have to be translated then? Well, very simply is that when Matthew is talking about Emmanuel, he's not talking only to the Jews. The Jews didn't need their word translated. They already understood. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. But he had uh, others in mind too. He had you Gentiles and this Gentile. He had the other nations involved. See, God's salvation plan was not only for Israel or the, the people of Jesus that he came from, but for the whole world. He came to save all of us. And his message and the message of Christmas is for the whole world, not only to the Jew. And that's why it had to be translated. See, a Gentile might hear the word Emmanuel and say, well, what's that? And someone would have to say, that means God with us. And then you could go on to explain that. In Luke's gospel, he puts it this way. And Jesus said this in Luke 13, 29. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? That's talking about a future time and those that will be gathered in in faith to the Lord's kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, and they will sit down with him. Isn't that something? He's referring to us. He's referring to those that have accepted him by faith and are part of his family. I'm glad for that because if God only had, for instance, the Jewish people, a blessed people, if he only had them in mind, we'd all be left out. And we'd still be perishing in our sin. And I'm thankful that he has come. And you know, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2, the apostle Paul writes there, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, that's made in the flesh by hands, that in that time you were without Christ. You see, there was a time when we were without Christ. It was a time the whole world was without Christ. And then in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman right he came into this world and you know that message went from there after he died and he was resurrected and he died for our sins he he was buried he rose again and that message was carried by his followers until someone came along and shared it with you and me 
And tonight we're sharing that message still. Someone sharing that message. But look, he goes on. Being aliens, those aren't the little green you know, creatures from Mars. Those are people without a, a place, right? An alien is a place where if you're, in a, if you're in a country and you're not a citizen of that country, you're an alien, right? It's not your home. And in the kingdom of God, there was no home for the Gentiles or for anybody until Christ came. And look what it says. It says, Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. My friends, I know that sometimes this life can get kind of hopeless. It really can. And I've seen people that have given up and have no hope. And and it's not a, a pretty sight when you see that. I've seen and I've heard people who've lost someone to death and they have no hope of that individual ever being with God because no one's ever told them of those things or had an opportunity with those things. And it's the most awful sound of wailing that you'll ever hear is when someone knows that a friend, a loved one has died with no hope or they have no hope. But that's what, not what it continues to say. Having no hope and without God in the world... But now, I love that, that conjunction that changes everything. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Aren't you glad that through his death and his resurrection, you and me, we can both be brought into a right relationship with God. And we're no longer strangers to him. Or we don't need to be strangers. Maybe you are a stranger to him. Maybe this is strange to you as we read these things or we talk about Christmas and you wonder all about it. Listen, one of the greatest things, the greatest thing that you could do is trust Jesus Christ tonight for your salvation. And you know what? He promises that if you were far off, he brings you near. He brings you so near that the Bible says that the Spirit of God seals you and takes up residence in us. (laughs) He is with us. That is Emmanuel, isn't it? Well, why does it have to be translated? Because he had you and me in mind when he named or took that name, Emmanuel. And oh, I'm glad for that. The Bible, or uh, excuse me, uh, John Wesley, in uh, commenting on that, we sang this, uh, joyful all ye nations rise, right? That's all of us. Join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And then the last question tonight is this. It's who are they that will call Jesus Emmanuel? I often wonder about that because when you read the Bible, you've got to ask these kind of questions. Well, who is the they? Is that, is that good grammar? Probably not. But anyways, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You see, if you go to Isaiah 7.14, the they is not in there. And so it's not just the virgin who would say Emmanuel, but it's another group, right? It is all those who confess him, who call upon the name Emmanuel. And by the way, the Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Now, that's not just saying certain words. See, when I was growing up, I was taught that if you just say certain prayers and you pray certain things and you say certain things, then that makes you a Christian. And I will tell you that that didn't make me a Christian. It doesn't make me, you know, as someone once said, going to McDonald's and eating a hamburger doesn't make you a hamburger, right? Um, it, it doesn't do that. Uh, it, you know, you can say certain things, but unless you understand with the mind, with the heart, right, and understand that and then profess that with the mouth of that understanding and call upon him, really the other side of that is you can't be saved. And it was this time of year, now 35 years ago, when someone introduced me to Jesus and talked about him. And that person had this, uh, the way he talked about Jesus was in such a way that I knew he knew Jesus and I didn't. And that bothered me. It bothered me because I thought, at first I thought, well, how is it that you could know Jesus? Like really know him? Right? Isn't that being a little presumptuous? And that seems like almost arrogance that someone says, I can know him. But you know, the Bible says these things are written that you may know him. And I began to read the Bible and I began to go through it. I started with Matthew's gospel and I went right through and I continued to read and there were verses that just stood out to me over and over again. And I began to understand the simplicity of who Jesus really is. It's as simple as Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. John, in his epistle, writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Do you know the incarnation, the the coming of, of Jesus in the flesh, is such central doctrine to the Christian faith, John warns, and he says, if someone comes and tells you it didn't happen... They're not of the true faith. They're not of the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. But this you know, that the Spirit of God, every or by the Spirit of God, um, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You see, there is that spirit of Antichrist, or, uh, and, and the word Antichrist can mean like a pseudo-Christ, a different Christ, but one that will deceive, one that will be false. There's lots of people that are, are f- preaching a false Jesus. And they, they abound. You can find all kinds of them everywhere. But at the heart of it, if they don't, tell you what is in lining up with this book right here that has been revealed to us then it's not of God it's that simple and I'm thankful he gives us this book first John chapter 1 verse 7 says this but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin aren't you glad for that you see When we talk about who the they are, um, really the they is those that will call upon him. Again, Wesley said this in his hymn, Mild he lays his glory by. It wasn't so much that Jesus um, removed his glory 
But he veiled his glory, is what he did. When he entered into the human race, he became flesh. And as John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He and we beheld his glory as uh, full of grace and truth. Right? As the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and really what it was, it, his flesh veiled his glory. He who was infinite and could be everywhere present took up residence in a body. And was bound by a calendar and a date and time. And was born in our world on a certain date. A date that is recorded for us that was actually um, a time when an emperor had said you're to be taxed. Caesar Augustus said you're to be taxed and registered as a census. And that was a specific time. And Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem and there their son is born the son is born and i think about that and by the way he wasn't it wasn't just his birth it was that he would grow up and then at his prime at about age 33 he was cut down and he suffered the death of the cross and there as john writes here the blood of jesus christ his son cleanses us from all sin that's a good thing cuz you know what there's a lot of sin out there. And, and maybe you haven't committed every sin, but someone has. You know, like all corporately, we've committed sin, and we will. And yet God's payment for sin is enough to justify all. Oh, I'm thankful for that. Wesley goes on to say, born to give them second birth. See, we're celebrating a birthday tomorrow, Christmas, the birthday of Jesus. And all of us here in this room have birthdays, right? And you know, your first birthday isn't good enough. See, you were born, and that's a good day, and I hope that we celebrate it and all of that. I'm not trying to make light of your birthday. We celebrate birthdays, but you know, there's a greater birthday, and it's that second birth. And that's a birth from above. The first one, you were born in Adam's race. It wasn't good enough. You're in a long line of sinners. I'm in a long line of sinners. But when you're born from above, born that second birth... That's a birth by faith when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it says, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Do you know Emmanuel tonight? I have a video here, and this is from uh, put together this year by my, my daughter, Laura, and, and uh, our son, Sam, her brother. And I just want to share this with you. Here. 
Oh